Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Time now for the DenverSports.com front page. Stop what you're doing and listen. Taking a look at the top stories in Denver sports taken from your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. What in the name of Dan Issel? With today's DenverSports.com front page, here's Schlereth and Evans. In advance of Adam Schefter, who'll join us in a few minutes, Andrew Mason writing at DenverSports.com about how Jerry Rosberg is uh, is gone. He's left the building. He will not return to the Broncos. Or will he? So his contract expired, and the Broncos said thank you very much. They did not pick it up. But does that preclude the next head coach from uh, not being able to find a spot for Jerry Rosberg? Or, or is it within the rights of... Uh, the Broncos hiring whomever it is to say, hey, we want Jerry Rosberg to be a, a part of it because we liked what he brought last year, this year. Well, he's very, like he's a very respected coach, so if you hire somebody who's got the authority to hire his own coaching staff, and I'm assuming you're going to be able to do that here, um, then, yeah, Jerry Rosberg could have a place. I mean, I... I wouldn't you want, don't you want, haven't you seen it happen in the past where coaches were given assistance and that doesn't work? Like, you're to empower, yeah, to empower your coach, man, you got to get, you got to let him pick his guys. And if there are a few guys on this staff that he likes, that he's comfortable with, that, that he thinks are great coaches, then great, retain them. That's awesome. But, you know, if Jerry Rosberg's one of those guys, great, retain him. But if, like if you don't like the guys or you don't have a uh, uh, you don't have the same philosophical approach that the guy has, you should be allowed to pick your guys. Yeah, I don't mind having Jerry Rossberg back, but it has to be one hundred percent the decision of the new coach. It can't be, hey, new coach, you get the job, but with the provision that you right. take Jerry Rossberg because it didn't work out with Vance Joseph, he was never empowered. How about with Vic Fangio and Wrinkles? That 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 didn't work. And to the point where we wasted a year or maybe arguably uh, wasted what, what could have worked out with Drew Locke uh, because Vic didn't get along with, um, <laughs> I just Rich forgot Rinkle. his name, Wrinkles. Rich Gangarello. Rich Gangarello. I only know him as Wrinkles. He's Wrinkles. <laughs> He's always going to be Wrinkles. Where is Wrinkles now, by the way? He just got fired somewhere. Was he at Kentucky or something? Fever looked that up for me. I, we always, whenever we bring up Wrinkles, somebody always inevitably asks, uh, why do you call him Wrinkles? Because on a Monday night preseason game yeah. against the 49ers, ESPN, when Booger McFarlane was doing the uh, uh, commentary, he right. kept going on and on and on about all the wrinkles that Rich Gangarello was going to bring to the Kyle Shanahan offense. Right. He's going to have this wrinkle and that wrinkle. And it was literally, if you played the wrinkles drinking game, you would have been smashed yeah, by the end of the game. Hammered. Yeah, so wrinkles. We, we uh, affectionately nicknamed him Wrinkles, and the nickname stays. He was fired at uh, Kentucky. This uh, he was the OC at Kentucky this this past year. Wrinkles. It's the only matter of time before all those wrinkles come to fruition, and he is uh, kicking ass. Huh? Wrinkles, gone but not forgotten. I love wrinkles. I love wrinkles. We uh, stay with the Bronco theme. How about our pal Dante Gomez? Writing a column. Dante! At, yes! Wow. At wow. denversports.com. All right, Dante. All wow. right, here we go. He says, he argues, he writes, and you can read the article, that hiring Sean Payton 
would be doubling down on Russell Wilson. And he views that as a negative. That uh, you need to admit that Russell Wilson was a mistake. And the last thing you should do is invest so much in a head coach with the idea that you're just somehow trying to salvage or rescue Russell Wilson. It would be a mistake to double down on Russell Wilson. Do you agree with that? Um, no, I'm going to go on the other side of that of Dante. As much as I love Dante, um, I think that you've already you've already invested that much in Russell Wilson. He's not going anywhere for a while. You need a coach that understands how to get the best out of Russell Wilson. And if that if that coach is Sean Payton that knows how to get the best out of Russell Wilson, that would be your best option. That would be your best and plus, as I've said many, many times, you need some you need somebody to walk into this organization that um that has people on eggshells a little bit, has people a little nervous, has them puckered up to a uh, to a point. So I don't know that anybody else really does that for you. Like of all the guys we have mentioned, who who brings the biggest pucker factor because of his track record, because of his tenure at, at New Orleans? It's by and there's no question it's Sean Payton. Yeah, the thing with hiring Payton, I'm all for Payton. He's my number one choice now that that Harbaugh's out of the mix. Is is the idea that I don't I don't view Payton as just like a a, a two year solution or a two year plan to right. try to salvage Russell Wilson. I view I view Sean Payton being given the kind of power and money and commitment and resources that he's going to be able to set up shop here with the idea of devising a a five seven ten year plan. So yeah, it'd be great if he can salvage Russell Wilson, but that's just a, a blip in the time that he would be here, and then you'd be on to the next guy if it, right. if it didn't work out. So I, I I don't see at all how if you were to hire Sean Payton, it's it's directly connected to salvaging Russell Wilson. It could be a benefit of it. It could speed along the process of realizing Russell isn't your guy, but I don't think it's directly tied to to Russ. I think that's. A, I think you just brought up a really good point. By the way, thank you. I meant to. Okay, good. I think you brought up a really good point. You probably don't. Even what know I say? What. Yeah, exactly. Is that it may speed up the process if you know you've got a coordinator that can put Jameis Winston in a great position for success. Seven games, I think, fourteen touchdowns versus three interceptions, as opposed to thirty thirty. Like, if you have a guy that can do that, if he can't get Russell Wilson playing at a high level, then Russell Wilson is washed. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can't say that about a guy that doesn't have a track record as a defensive coordinator, that doesn't have a track record as a head coach, or even a college coach that doesn't have a track record as a head coach in the NFL. I don't think you can say that about those guys. Sean Payton, you would know. All right, Russ is or isn't salvageable based upon how you're getting coached. So much more at denversports.com. You can learn all about what the Avs are getting in their trade with Matt Nieto, Kyle Shanahan endorsing D'Amico Ryans, and uh, why all of a sudden there may not be a market for Sean Payton that is dried up. All going on at denversports.com. I have Adam Schefter from ESPN on the line. He heard a rumor. Oh, great. Tell Schefter to stick his rumor up. Sonny. Our ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter joins us now. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing good. We're just wondering when the uh, when the first domino will fall as far as a head coach is concerned. Is anybody close to naming a head coach right now? 
Yeah, I think we're going to get closer. I think by the end of the week we'll have uh, a couple of hires. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Uh, I don't believe that Denver will be in that mix in the first initial wave of hires. I think we're looking at maybe Arizona, maybe Carolina, uh, Indy, a little slower, Denver a little slower, Houston maybe in the mix, but they typically have been a very slow-moving franchise as well. So, Adam, then, connecting the dots, the longer this thing goes on, D'Amico Ryan's coaching this weekend. Is it simply waiting for D'Amico Ryan's? Well, I I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I think Denver would have an interest in D'Amico Ryan's, but so does Houston, and so do others. And so um, D'Amico's wife is from Houston. He played for Houston. There's a lot of Houston connections there. You have to see how that shakes out. But, you know, I don't know that this is a case. You know, I don't know there's a case of Denver just waiting for D'Amico. I don't, I don't think that that's it. In fact, I, I know that's not it right now. Right now. Now, could that change? Sure. Um, could there be further talks uh, with D'Amico's camp that would lead Denver to think that it could get him? Sure. But as of this morning, that's not the case, I don't believe. All right, Adam. If you were uh, handicapping, putting together the big board when it comes to the next Broncos head coach, who do you believe is the favorite? Well, you know, the the great part about that question, Mike, is that at various points in this search, it has shifted um, on an almost regular basis. So where you think it might be at the outset Sean Payton, and then you think right after that it might be Jim Harbaugh, and then you think after that, well, maybe it's David Shaw, and then you think maybe it's going to be Dan Quinn, and then you think it's going to be maybe to me. How many guys have we been on here where it's basically shifted? It's a moving target. So when you ask me to handicap it, I wouldn't be that dumb to do that when it shifts as often as it does and the search has highs and lows. And, and I've said this before to teams that are about to embark upon a head coaching search. It's amazing to me. I'm having been fortunate enough to cover as many of them as I have over the years. Like we get like six, seven, eight, nine a year, then for 30 years. So we're talking about roughly 150 of these, 180 of these, 200 of these. There are times when it feels like it's all going a team's way. Like there are guys that are just dying to get that job. And literally the next day it could be, what just happened? Candidate A went to this team. Candidate B went to that team. Candidate C decided to stay where he is. What are we going to do now? And it's a total moving target at all times. And so for me to handicap, I, I, I couldn't and I wouldn't because, honestly, at the outset, I would have handicapped Sean Payton the favorite. Then I would have made Jim Harbaugh the favorite. Then I would have made... David Shaw, the fifth. Then I would have made Dan Like, literally, that's how it's gone. And so where it's going to wind up, I don't know yet. Well, what, in your estimation, was Sean Payton? Because it feels like Sean Payton was the top of everybody's list. And now it feels like Sean Payton maybe just going back to TV. Like, what's changed? Has anything changed? Has it been the compensation? Like, what's going on there that has that has made him feel like he's falling off or falling down the list of possible candidates? Well, there are a couple things if that theory is actually true. Um, and I would say this, that 
you can go hire an experienced coach, but you're going to have to pay him top dollar. You're going to have to compensate the same top dollar. And so every team is saying to itself, am I better off paying Sean Payne all this or am I better off hiring, I'm making it Frank Reich or Dan Quinn or Eric Bieniemy or whoever it is, D'Amico Reich, whoever you want to come up with. And I think some of them made the decision, you know what, ah, we might not be, we might be better off not surrounding some of that. The other part of this is that it's a two-way street. The interest has to be reciprocal. And Sean Payton is not just going to jump at the, go ch- at the chance to go land a head coaching job now when he knows that in this cycle there are five head coach openings right now. And I promise you, because it's a low number this year, it'll be almost double next year. So if Sean doesn't like all these particular situations, and by the way, Indy's been a little bit wild and unstable, same is true in Carolina. Houston's been a disaster. Arizona, I mean, that, that, that has not been exactly a model organization. Right? Like There are major questions with a lot of these groups. A lot. So if you're Sean Payton, why are you rushing to go take that? And the organizations, by the way, they feel that. They know that. So it's two ways there. It's either an organization saying we're not going to step up to do everything we have to, especially when we know that it seems like he's mildly interested in us. And, you know, it's like, honestly, it's a little bit like dating. You know, you go on a date, you know, that was nice. That was nice. But I might go out with her again. Maybe, maybe. And then there, there's some people you just, you, you hit it off. You're like, they want it to be worked out, and you want it to work out, and you get it worked out. I don't think that that's happened with Sean Payton and anybody so far yet. And he's going to have the opportunity next year for a much, much bigger pool of jobs than this year. With, in all probability, more stable franchises. So, when you play the long game, it goes both ways. It's not that only the teams have cooled on Sean Payton. Maybe that's partly true. But I don't know if Sean's ever been enamored right now with any of the situations also. Adam Schefter, our guest. Adam, it has been uh, reported, different outlets, uh, different folks, that the Broncos' number one choice right from the start was Jim Harbaugh. And that once that fell through, they were forced to kind of go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. Have you heard similar reports? Again, I, I would go back to what I said to you before, Mike. I think it's been a moving target all along. I think at certain points in the search that Jim Harbaugh was the guy that they felt strongly about. I think at other points they felt strongly about other people. I don't think they went into this saying, this is our guy. We're going to look at our guy. And, and again, to go back to the dating analogy, you could have an idea of, boy, I think I'm going to like this person. And you meet to, you know, no, that's not exactly what I, th- I like that person more. And so I, I think Jim was high on their list. Absolutely. No denying that. I think at certain points he was higher on their search. I think as you talk to others, Others emerge, um, and then Jim pulled out. So it became a moot point, right? So I, I don't know. Like, did, did they go into this saying Jim Harbaugh is our guy, and we're gonna? 
I think they went into this saying, we're really interested in a guy like Jim Harbaugh. We think he would have the chance to be a real coach. We want to talk to him. And frankly, you know, the first, the first talk they had with him, you know, they wanted to come out. And, and he was busy with a crew, and they did a Zoom. And so, you know, right, right you want to meet the guy. You, 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 you want to meet the guy. And they didn't get to do that right away. So, um, yeah, I think they really liked him at certain points. But I, I, I'm not going to tell you that they went into this saying, we're going to go hire Jim Harbaugh. He's our number one guy. Let's go get this done. You know, talking about moving targets, Adam, and, um, and, you know, and just this head coaching search in general in mm-hmm. Denver here. One guy that I know years ago had a ton of interest that the interest kind of waned and the Broncos seem to be the only one interested in him now is David Shaw. So what do you know about David Shaw and are other teams actually interested in David Shaw? Yeah, well, I think that's interesting because, you know, as you mentioned, Stink, for years he was the go-to guy that teams wanted and everybody they called was told no. And now he's in a different stage in life where his children have grown and he's obviously left Stanford and he's interested in going to the NFL and he's not as hot now as he was back then, obviously. So, um, I think he's on their radar. Um, I think with these things, it's like this, you know, we're on Thursday before the conference championship games. And first of all, there's never been a time where this, these searches, have lasted as long as they have without there being a single hire. Like, I'm telling you, having done this for 33 years, by conference championship game weekend, usually every job is wrapped up, and sometimes there's a job that isn't wrapped up, and that's only because they're saving it for the coordinator of one of the teams on the final four. And yet, this time, we don't have a single hire yet, we're on the Thursday before the conference championship games. So they spoke to David Shaw a couple of weeks back. And so my immediate thought is, while they, I think David Shaw remains on their radar, if they were so gung-ho, they would have went in on it right away. And so clearly they're interested in talking to a lot of different people. And while they liked him, they definitely liked him, he didn't grab them enough that they said, let's halt the search Let's stop talking and let's get this worked out right now with David Shaw. You, you brought this when you brought that subject up about having never seen it go this late in the process without somebody being named, and you brought that up last week on the drive. I got to thinking about it, and here's my theory or theories. One, you can call it collusion, cahoots, whatever, but I, I wonder if the NFL owners got together and said, "Look, we've we've caught a lot of backlash over the last." few several hiring cycles about how we go about hiring coaches to the point where the Rooney rule got expanded the Brian Flores fallout even uh, a Jim Irsay when he hired Jeff Saturday and almost like immediately elevated him to full-time head coach and people like whoa 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 and then it was mid-season I think you threw out that that story that tweet about how some what is it 800 million dollars over a certain amount of time had been spent on uh fired coaches and coaching staffs I wonder Adam if there's almost sort of a unified owner message hey take your time Go through the entire process. Do your due diligence so that nobody can come out and say, 
the hiring process wasn't done correctly. Well, you, you don't even have to wonder about that. The message was sent that no per, in-person interviews were allowed to take place until January 17th. So the league, it was out there. You couldn't meet with a candidate face to face. You could do virtuals before then, but you were not allowed to meet until January 17th, which my math is correct was 10 days ago or nine days ago. And so that automatically slowed down the process and took us into what divisional playoff weekend to start it at. And so that slowed it down some, and then the league pleading for patience slowed it down some. And the fact that there are fewer teams this year, so not as many teams are buying for the same guys slowed it down. So it's not like, boy, there's 10 and we better go get our guy right now before we lose to the nine other teams. Now it's like there's five others and you're not as compelled to rush. And aside from Sean Payton being the big name that is, who is the surefire guy that everybody wants? There is no one guy this year. That slows it down some too. Not everybody's rushing to go hire, say, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or whoever it may be. So, I think it's all those factors together, coming together to give us a scenario where here we are on January 26th and there's not a single head coaching hire for any of the five teams yet, which, by the way, I think will change in the next 48 hours. But nevertheless, here we are. All right, man. We're just going to we're going to hold on and ride this thing. It's like a wave. So good. Listen, I'm just telling you, it is. It is wildly unpredictable. And if you had asked me to handicap who was going to be Denver's coach, I could have given you different answers on different days for many of the last two weeks, and probably maybe none of them would have been right at that time. So that's why it's a moving target, truly. Adam, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Adam Schefter, our ESPN NFL insider. Join us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. As always, a lot to unpack with Adam. And what was the theme of that conversation? Moving targets. Mm-hmm. <sighs> is 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 moving targets a good thing or a bad thing? That's next. You're going to need a bigger boat. It's time for Schlereth and Evans' big story of the day. Why is this that you're so... You're so... Big. Here's Schlereth and Evans with this morning's biggest story in Denver sports. Big mistake. Big. Huge. We just got done talking with Adam Schefter, and if you played the moving targets drinking game, you'd be hammered right now. It's a good point. It's a really good point. He described the Broncos coaching search as there had been a lot of moving targets that maybe the group went in thinking this would be the favorite, but as it has evolved, other candidates, plural, have drawn and captured their eye. Is that a good thing in your mind that so many moving targets have caught the eye of this ownership group, or would you wish that they were or had been more decisive? Um, I don't mind them being very thorough. I don't. I want them to meet with as many as they can meet with. And I also want them to have second meetings 
with those particular individuals that we're talking about. Um, there is there is the one aspect if you narrow it down and you and you decide, well, this is this is our guy now of the candidates who are available, assuming that Jim Harbaugh is out, okay. And all of a sudden, your guy gets scooped up. All of a sudden, Dan Quinn signs in Arizona. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Because when that happens to you, then it becomes the mad dash and the mad scramble. Well, we got to get somebody. And our lead candidate that we wanted to meet with again just got scooped up by somebody else. Because Adam said, by in the next 48 hours. So by tomorrow sometime, somebody is going to be announced. Correct? I think it's the Arizona job. I do, too. I think it's Quinn. I do, too. Okay. I think that one's off the table now. So if he was one of those guys that you were, you've were, you already met with and you were intrigued by, but you want to have that second meeting with, if he gets scooped up, well, then now it's, okay, where do we go now? Now do you start to scramble? Because you know as soon as the first, as soon as the first domino is tipped over, man, then everybody starts scrambling to fill the, the vacancies. So if Arizona is the one that that does this, then that's gonna be then it's gonna be, you know, let's let's roll. Then the ultimate thing is so what I think we've all heard is that D'Amico Ryan's because his wife is from Houston, because he was drafted by Houston, because he played there for a long time, because he's got that relationship with that market, that that they're very interested in him. It also feels like the Broncos are very interested in him. He's familiar with that ownership. He knows McNair, the McNair family. He knows Cal McNair. Like, does is that he? He knows how great. Let's face it. That's a great place. That is a Houston's a great melting pot, and it was a great place when Gary Kubiak was coaching there, and they were relevant. And so he he understands that market, and he could be a hero coming back to that market. And oh, by the way. You, it's very much like the rebuild that went into San Francisco. This team stinks. It's a hot mess. So I'm going to be given a bunch of years to fix it. And they, and they need a PR win down there because they've, Big they've time. blown through uh, coaches the last two years. David Culley, Lovey Smith. Uh, Cal McNair is, is just viewed as an idiot. Uh, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, which, by the way, the team had some culpability in it as well. So yeah, they were providing him with hotel rooms. Yeah, so it it is a franchise that is in need of a PR win, and bringing a hometown hero and D'Amico Ryan's back would be a, a good first step. I, I just I get the idea of being thorough, but we all have been in places in our life where we have either been accused or we have been with people where we're like, okay, enough, enough window shopping, buy something. Mm-hmm. Make up your mind, right? And when does patience being exhibited by this Broncos ownership group right. get replaced by, come on, folks, don't you know what you're looking for? Have you thought this out? Do you know what you want? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and why aren't you going out and getting it? Sometimes, Identifying right. it and getting it. Sometimes it's great to have a lot of voices. Sometimes a lot of voices just become noise. And so... You know, I don't know how many voices are involved in this decision, but knowing what you want, you know, at some point you go from shopping to hunting. You know, you you quit shopping for your coach and you hunt for your coach, right? You go out for the kill. And, 
you know, like you said, knowing what you want, knowing where you are, and and knowing what you think is good for this franchise, you've already identified the kind of football team you want, right? I want a physical football team. I want a team that can control both lines of scrimmage. I want all the like. I want all these things, and I want I want that stuff. You know that like that like 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 San Francisco has like dominant defense, dominating the line of scrimmage, the front seven, dominant offense, a team that can run the ball, a team that. That mitigates the the um, you know mitigates the the value of the quarterback because they do everything well. Like if we want that, if that's what we want, okay, you've already identified what kind of football team you want. Well, who provides who provides that blueprint? Who has that identity? Who like who can do that? And and then you pick your guy. And if you want a track record of somebody who's done it. You point to Dan Quinn. He did it in Atlanta to the tune of twenty-eight to three in the third quarter of a Super Bowl, and that and that team with Kyle Shanahan running it. I mean, they ran the snot out of the ball. Their offense operated defensively; they were good, and they just got they got beaten by one of the all-time legends coaching and. They screwed that up. You know, it's funny because you bring up the idea of D'Amico Ryans, and it's easy to sit back and say, why do you want not only a first-time head coach, another first-time head coach, but one with a defensive background where there seems to be more and more a shift away from defensive-minded head coaches. And I know that was thrown in my face when I suggested Quinn last year, endorsed Quinn, but Quinn's kind of funny because... You share the Steve Young story about how what used to frustrate Young is that if you have a defensive-minded head coach, ultimately, even when it comes to the offense, that defensive-minded head coach is going to be protective of his defense. Mm-hmm. Yet, in the case of Dan Quinn in the Super Bowl, yeah. if he made a mistake, it was that he was too trusting Correct. of Kyle Shanahan and didn't act enough like mm-hmm. a guy to protect his defense. He, if if he made a mistake, it was that he was the abnormal defensive-minded head coach in that he said, hey, man, you put together a record-setting offense, MVP, Matt Ryan, all season long. It's your show. I'm not going to micromanage you, even in the Super Bowl. Yeah, even, and it worked to their detriment, right. but it, it there is a difference if you can get a defensive-minded head coach who ultimately will act that way. I will tell you this, having done a bunch of Dan Quinn games, um, both as a coordinator and, and um, you know, as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, I did a bunch of his games. And I can sit here and tell you right now, the reverence and respect that the players had for Dan Quinn um, is, is it's probably unmatched to any other coach I've ever done games for. And... The feeling of letting down their coach because of what went down, um, and, and him getting fired in Atlanta, that it was like, it was hard for them. It was palpable. Um, and then I will also tell you, being at a Friday practice, I'm at a Friday practice every week and I'm watching teams operate on a Friday practice. One of the most crisp, physical, fly around, energetic practices I've ever been around are the practices I was watching Dan Quinn operate as a head coach. And I mean it. It was, they were impressive. And so, 
anyhow, now he had a he had a quarterback who was Matt Ryan was very much Peyton Manning esque in the way he operated that offense and the demand he had of all the players on that football field uh, to the point where sometimes he he had to get talked to by the head coach about being too hard on young guys. Right? I mean, it was one of those situations. So. Like that's that's why he was one of well that's why he was if if you weren't getting Sean Payton he was my next guy over Jim Harbaugh and everything else so um, anyhow it'll, it'll be interesting to see it'll be interesting to see exactly what goes down here Adam said in the next forty eight hours we're gonna have a co- or one coach not the Broncos but he didn't say it wasn't the Broncos but somebody's going to name a coach in the next forty eight hours. Coming up is uh, the biggest reason why we should hate what the Nuggets did last night. The reason why we should love what the Nuggets did last night. That's next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Did the uh, Denver Nuggets do something last night that... We should both hate and love at the same time. So they chose to sit four starters. No Jokic, no Murray, no MPJ, no Contavious Caldwell-Pope. It was a back-to-back. They had played the night before New Orleans, won. And as we see often, times around the NBA, back-to-back, they just decide, you know, tonight, if we win, great. If we don't, no biggie, but we're going to rest our key guys. It's load management. I hate it. The NBA hates it. Adam Silver does not like it. But what can he do, right? You can't order teams to play guys if they have some sort of injury designation. I just got done from a couple weeks ago ripping and mocking LeBron James for tapping out when the Lakers came here and he he chose mm-hmm. not to play. Well, at the risk of, of, of looking like a hypocrite, that's what the Nuggets did last night. Sure. And if I'm in Milwaukee this morning, I'm going, wow. What a wuss Nikola Jokic is. Tapped out. Didn't want to face Giannis. Turned it down. Right. Didn't want to get outshined by Giannis and then lose the MVP voting. So he just said, hey, my hammy's a little tender. So those, unfortunately, are the conversations that go on around NBA cities routinely. Mm -hmm. I think it's a bad thing. But on the other hand, is it a good thing, Mark? Because the Nuggets now view themselves as a serious enough contender that we think we're going to be playing into May and June, and we want to make sure our key guys are fresh. I think that is. I mean, they've gone the uh, whole Bud Bud Black. uh, They've they've entered the Bud Black. You know, a lot of times we go into Milwaukee, it's a win. Tonight, not the case, right? I mean, that's, that's what they went with. So, yeah, but I do, I do think it's, I do think it's good in, in this. There are expectations, and not just from the fan base now. There are expectations from the organization. And I think that's a good thing. You have expectations of being a Western Conference finalist and pushing forward into the NBA Finals. Those, like, doing the, these are the things that you do when you have expectations and you are that good and you are the top team in the NBA. So I, I'm hey, listen, man, I'm all for expectations, but with great expectations, like there are consequences to falling short of those expectations, to not getting it done. 
And so this is a team now. Hey, you've shown us you've got expect you've got the same expectations that we have now as a fan base, maybe more. So let's let's see what you're made of. I, I like that. Uh, Avalanche made a, another sneaky good trade. Boy, they've been making a lot of these over the last uh, few years. Tell me it's Soderbergh. Soderbergh! <laughs> Tell no, me. They did not bring Carl Soderbergh. Damn. Sorry. But they brought back a former player. Okay. Matt, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is good. Matt Nieto, uh, Matt Nieto is coming back. He was with the Avalanche for the parts of, better parts of four seasons uh-huh. and then has spent uh, the better part of three seasons. In San Jose, they're a lousy hockey team. He gets rescued from San Jose. He comes back to the Avs. And again, it's just another one of those just good uh, depth moves where you bring in a bottom six forward, guy that will be able to be employed on the on the on the penalty kill. He's the kind of guy that, as we've learned, as we learned during the playoff run last year. It's like the Andrew Coglianos, the Darren Helms of the mm-hmm. world. They're the guys that just don't really tend to pop during the course of the regular season. But, man, when you get into a playoff game and everything is under the spotlight, they do these little things that end up helping you win playoff games. And it would not shock me in the least if the Avalanche win a playoff game this spring and summer and Matt Nieto makes a big play to help make it happen. I am... Um I'm a believer in glue guys. I am a believer in guys that stitch the locker room together. I'm a believer because I've witnessed it firsthand. There are certain guys on your roster that aren't the superstars that, frankly, may not get a ton of playing time that are the guys who make things go. And it's it's inter- and sometimes it's just the way... They operate in practice. They're pests. They the way they the way they give you kind of a quote unquote look, the, like just the stuff that they do. And I can go back through my career and I can name guys like Keith Burns. Keith Burns tied us together in a locker room. He tied the offense to the defense. He was one of those guys. Dave Diaz Infante, huge glue guy, huge guy that stuck us together during those championship runs. There are so many of those guys that you look at Glenn Cadrez, like guys that you wouldn't think or you wouldn't know um, by name necessarily. You don't really, oh, I remember the guy, but I don't really, like he didn't really play that much. That are the, the most important pieces of that locker room. So he could be one of those guys for the Avalanche. We got some breaking news. This is official. Now, this is breaking news, but it is not... This is not a drill. Breaking news. Breaking news. The in NFL insider Adam Schefter, who we just had on. Mm. Boy, he could have tipped us off here, Adam, when we had you on 20 minutes ago. Right. Uh, the Jets are hiring former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. All right. Let's ride. Yay football. That's right. Yay football coming to the Big Apple. Yeah. Okay. Is this yet again second time a team has hired Nathaniel Hackett to increase the odds of luring Aaron Rodgers? We've seen oh, so much fun. We've seen Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Rumors? Speculation? Are the Jets doing this to grease the skids? Ooh. Um, it certainly helps. 
if Aaron Rodgers is out there and there is a bidding war, and now they remember, there's there's precedent here. Didn't isn't Brett Favre the first team he left to go play for? Was it? Oh, was it the Jets? Was and it then, the Jets then he and came then back to Minnesota. I believe it was the Jets under Mangini. Was it? Get those chubby fingers going. <laughs> Shut up. Come on. Look at those things. Look at this spring into action. You would think there would be much more lethargy with them sausagey fingers. Right, right. Kind of lazy. But the alacrity that yeah. they jump to the keyboard with when we have a question is, I marvel at It's kind of like Russell Wilson. Looks plump. Yes. But still has a little, little, little. Yeah, you know. there's, a, there's a spark there. There is a spark there. Let's rock. You do have the. You do have the... Uh, he did go from Green Bay to the Jets. To the Jets. And then to Minnesota. Yeah. One year with the Jets. So could we be seeing Aaron Rodgers follow the same path? I'm just going to start calling your fingers Russ. <laughs> hey, fingers. Spi- They're spicy. Hey, fingers. Let's ride. <laughs> Every time we need to go to the internet, I'm going to go, fingers. Let's ride. Whatever, let's ride. whatever the justification was, I am happy for Nathaniel Hackett. It, it it didn't work out. He was completely in over his head. Mm-hmm. He was overmatched, but he is a good. He seems like a good guy, a decent guy, a an guy. easy guy to root for. And I'm glad that the failure here did not banish him to the point where he was looking at a you know a five or six year have to work back. Just to be able to get to be an offensive coordinator again. Right. So the fact that he gets to, even if this is with the idea of attracting Aaron Rodgers, well, I'm glad for Hackett. But, Mark, come on now. This is two off seasons that Nathaniel Hackett has landed high profile jobs. And in each case, Aaron Rodgers was linked to the team that he ended up being hired on to. So come on now. Can we can we now officially announce the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was hired here to draw Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, well. Um yeah. And that once you didn't get Aaron Rodgers, you were left everybody looking around going, All right, why exactly is this guy here? What's the value? Well, I don't think there's I don't think that there is any question that um that one, I don't think there's any question that Nathaniel Hackett's a good football coach. Now, it, obviously, he was a little over his, over the tips of his skis becoming the head coach. But the relationship with Rodgers is real, um, and and you know, and the success they had is real in Green Bay. And so, I got to believe that there is, yeah, there is something to that. It goes to show you what they think of uh, Zach Wilson. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see. That'd be it'd be great, man. It would be. Because how awesome. else? If 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 we're in New York right now, we're doing this show on the the WFAN or something. Are we are we pumped up about Nathaniel Hackett, who was just fired in Denver, had one of the worst offenses in the history right. of the NFL, recent history of the NFL. Well, actually, I should say history of the NFL, and during the course of the season, had to give up play calling duties. Because it was so bad, right? This is the guy you're hiring in New York City to be the to be the guy that's going to come in and fix 
the Jets and fix Zach Wilson? Come on, you're not you're not selling it. You're not buying it that way. It's this, this is, guy's here to bring screwed. in. This guy's here to bring in Rodgers. Yeah, good. Yeah. I hope he goes to the Jets. That'd be great. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Boy, can you imagine what those press conferences will be like? They got spicy just in Green Bay. Yeah. Right? It's spicy. He's going to have... He suffers no fools. Yeah, but they don't either. They'll, they'll call him on some of that stuff. I think he's a bum. <laughs> yeah. He's hey, an absolute bum. I'm all for it. I think it'd be a show. Aaron Rodgers in New York? I'm excited. Let's do it. With Nathaniel Hackett? I just texted Nathaniel Hackett. Congrats. All right. Excited for him, man. Good Can we get first. Chad in here really, really quick? Really, 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 really quick. I know the players' Chad cubs Ryan. coming up, but I, I just I, I gotta I gotta get his perspective on on something. So, Chad, during the course of the show, I happen to look over during a break and I hear Mark Schlereth talking, but it's not Mark Schlereth. It's Mark Schlereth on his phone. You want to quickly? Uh, reset yeah, somebody. What happened? My my college buddy sent me uh, something they found on TikTok about TD going over two thousand yards and doing it against your Seattle Seahawks at the time. Yes, and so there was a, a whole. There's this whole clip, I think it's NFL Films. They sent me a portion of the NFL Films and it had Sharp talking, myself talking, all that stuff. So that, that, so I was watching it because it brought back good memory. And you were talking about the play with, uh, was it Cortez Kennedy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They knew we were running a 19 hand. You guys knew exactly what was coming on. Cortez shot out, like shot out, hard out the, like toward the C gap. And on the last run that TD went over, over 2000, I probably could have, I probably should have been called for holding. So what was your what was your yes. role, what was your role in all uh, this? I was the backside defender. Uh, the Broncos specialized in running away from me during that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So I chased it down. So I am on the tackle for TD's two thousand uh, yard rush. I am also on the tackle for Emmett Smith's all time record breaking rush. No Dallas kidding. Cowboys. So I am uh, on NFL Films in ways you would not want to be on NFL Films. So there you Chad go. Ron. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up uh, old stuff, man. Appreciate yeah, it. You know what? A, uh, okay, there you Chad go. It, it was a, a nice memory, and if it at your expense, well, hey, so, <laughs> yes. yeah, I know, I know, but at least you're part of history. Not once, but twice. Right. Players Club with Chad Brown, Orlando Franklin, and Nate Jackson coming up next.